Well, I really wasn't that nervous until like I saw a whole row of supporters over there. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> no, I'm really excited. Thank you guys so much for coming. I'm like super stoked and it's always a, it's always a big blessing to come home to my home church and I'm always super excited to get the opportunity just to share, uh, share with you guys and just, uh, you know, let you know what's going on in my life and just hopefully bring a message that I feel like God wants to speak to the church. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian Ellis. I'm CJ and Lisa's son. Um, I'm definitely their favorite. Absolutely. Um, so I live in San Francisco now. Um, I just moved from Redding, California. I did three years of school ministry there. Um, and then after that, I felt like God was... Um, actually, I never in my wildest dream thought I would move to San Francisco. Like, that place has always been like a crazy all the crazy people, and I'm like, God, I would never move to San Francisco or New York or someplace like that. L.A. maybe, but never San Francisco. Um, but I believe last time I was here, I shared how that whole thing went down, how the whole process of me deciding to go. But um, over the last few years, God's really been like stirring a hunger in my heart for the entertainment industry. Um, and that's all aspects of it. It's modeling, acting, music, directing, film, media, um, and it was just kind of weird how he brought it up because I, if, for those of you who know me and grew up around me, I always, uh, always, always planning on going to the military. That was my big desire. I was like, I'm going to go to the military. I'm going to jump out of airplanes. I'm going to scuba dive. I'm going to do all the crazy stuff that my mom and dad never let me do growing up. And so I never did go to the military. You know, God sent me to Bethel and it was just a crazy story. But over the years, it's just like this, this, uh, this desire and hunger to see, um, to see the entertainment industry impacted. Like, just started to grow. I mean, I didn't really know what it was. All I knew is I had these these desires to participate in certain um, certain different activities, like um, like acting. I was I was just started growing this huge passion in my heart for acting, and I just was like, I don't know where this is coming from. I just um, it just was there. And so uh, I moved to San Francisco. Um, I'm working with a uh, a ministry there, and um, and right now we're currently raising a team of uh, people who have a heart for uh, entertainment. And my department is film. Um, so we're raising a team of, uh, of actors, directors, editors, and and people who really want to just pursue our, our passions and our dreams together. But, you know, with accountability and, and um, just a group of passionate believers. And I'm not talking about going into Hollywood and shoving Christ down people's throats because that's not what we're, you know, trying to go down and do. But it's... Uh, it's more about like a bunch of us just all pursuing our dreams together. And, you know, when any atmosphere we go into, just God kind of leaks out of us, you know, and people are changed and atmospheres are uh, changed. So that's kind of what I'm doing in San Francisco right now. Um, but it is weird because I am a spirit-filled Christian pastor's kid living in San Francisco. And for those of you who know, San Francisco is really crazy. Um, it's really cool. Uh, it's really it's, it's one of the most healthy cities in the United States which I didn't know till going there. So when I moved there, I had this desire to start working out and getting all healthy and being all hipster and stuff. So I started doing that, and that was cool. Um, but <laughs> I came to Oklahoma, and I've been working out consistently for about six months now, okay, like military workouts, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, all that. I'm not bragging. I'm going to show you guys a story because it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, and so, I, you know, I've been working out for these last six months, and, and I come here, and I was like, you know what, just because it's Christmas time, I don't want to let that be an excuse. I want to continue to work out, you know, stay in shape and, and whatnot. So, you know, I call Shannon. I'm like, Shannon, I need to go get, like, a YMCA membership. And she's like, all right, come over. I'll hook you up. And so I go to the YMCA, get a membership. 
And the first day of working out, I realized I have no workout clothes, like absolutely none. Like all I have is uh, like swimming trunks, a tank top. No, no, I had a V-neck, not even a tank top. It was like a V-neck. Like how hipster is that? So I had a V-neck and not even like sneakers or anything. It was just uh, like some flat top shoes. So I go to the gym and I'm just like, okay, you know what? I don't dress like I'm a workout, you know, fanatic, but people will see my workout and they'll be like, wow, this kid knows what he's doing. You know, he can do pull-ups and push-ups. And I was just ready to go in there and just tear it up. And I go in there and it's just filled with a bunch of people. And I'm like, all right. And they all kind of look at me when I walk in, you know, like, what's this fool doing in here? And I was like, so I walk in the room and I'm just like, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to show these people that I really know what I'm doing. And literally I walk in and these two guys are like standing there, like looking at themselves in the mirror and they look at me and they're like, like, I saw, like, him, like, nudge him, and he, like, like looked at me, and I was like, oh, man. Like, and so I'm like, you know, I did what any, like, you know, spirit-filled Christian would do. I'm like, I'm going to show off, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show these guys that I am a workout person, and that I'm not just some kid. So I go straight to the pull-up bar. I don't even, like, stretch or do anything. I'm like, I'm just going to go to the pull-up bar and show them how many pull-ups I can do. And I'm like, you know what? Grab this medicine ball. Put a medicine ball in between my legs. Go over to the pull-up bar, and I just crank out 15 pull-ups. And I, I hear one of the guys go, dang. <laughs> I was like, that's right. <laughs> so I get done with my pull-ups and I'm like, all right, you know what? They're still like kind of watching me. I can see with my peripheral vision that they're they're still staring at me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do push-ups now. And I was like, you know, I'm going to grab this medicine ball and put one arm on the medicine ball and one arm on the ground because it just seemed like a cool thing to do. I've never done it before. <laughs> so they're all staring at me and I put one arm in this medicine ball and one arm on the ground and I'm just, one. Two, doing these push-ups. And then, like, on TV shows, like, the athletic trainers, they do this crossover move where they, like, jump over. For some reason, I thought I could do that. Um, so I'm doing push-ups, and I'm like, one, two, like, this face plant on the ground. Just, like, I should have stopped while I was ahead. Like, I, I was wondering if they were watching me before, but when they all started laughing, I knew that they were watching me. And then you hear a guy go, he goes, that's not how you do that. <laughs> so, I just went to the pool. It's <laughs> like, forget this. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm so happy to be back. And uh, I'm just, I'm really excited to get the opportunity just to talk with you guys. And so when uh, me and my dad were talking, um, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about what I wanted to share. Um, it never looks like anything I ever prepare. Like, I can prepare and plan everything I want to share for, for weeks, but it never actually goes according to plan. Like, ever. And um, so when me and my dad talked about my, me preaching, I was like, yeah, I'm excited. I have a sermon. I'm going to preach it. Everyone's going to love it. It's going to be awesome. And I was just like ready. I had this sermon ready and I was like, this is the most prepared I've ever been for a sermon in my entire life. And uh, I was having a quiet time uh, the other day and I was like, you know, God, if this isn't the message you want me to share, then just give me something else. Dang it, I didn't mean to say that. And he said, I do. He said, I don't want you to preach that message. I have something else for you to share to the church. And I was like, well, I didn't really want to. And I was like, God, oh, dang it. Well, I already have this message prepared and I don't really want to like change it and do something else. And and I feel like he, he spoke to me and he said, Bryant, you're going to be the last preacher for 2014 at NCF. I was like, yes, that's so cool. Awesome. He's like, don't let it go to your head. I was like, oh. 
And he was in, and I like to preach from personal revelation. So whatever God's doing in my life, it's the easiest to preach from that because it's like I've personally experienced it and I have a passion to share and see other people impacted by it. It's a lot easier for me to just to, to release that than, you know, theology and studying and going into this deep message. Um, and so I, I was talking to God. I was like, what do you want me to share? And he was like, you know, what am I doing in your life? And, and I was like, well, it's New Year's, and uh, I guess it's time to start making those resolutions, and uh, I want to gain 10 pounds, you know. I was like, okay, well. And uh, I feel like he said, Bryant, this time of year can be really discouraging for you. Because I'm a really visionary type person. Like, I just, like, anything that I do has a vision behind it. I've just always been like that. Like, it's, like, if I, like, I started surfing, and I don't just surf because it's a fun thing to do in the moment. It's like, I'm going to join a tournament someday. I'm going to win cash. I'm going to do this. Like, everything I do always has a purpose, you know. It's like, I go skydiving, and I'm like, I'm going to make a skydiving movie someday. You know, like, everything has this, like, vision to it. So, whatever I do, there's always some kind of vision attached to it. And God was like, Brian, this can be a very discouraging time of year for you because you have a lot of vision and dreams and plans and, and you don't feel like you are at where you, where you're supposed to be at. Like you're, you feel like you're right here and you should be right here. And first of all, I feel like that's the biggest lie that the enemy wants us to believe at times is that we're not where we're supposed to be at. And that's one of the biggest ways the enemy can come at us because he can't, he, he can't touch us. But he can, he can put lies in you and make you believe, make you believe that it's your own. Like, oh, if I just would have worked harder, I would be right here instead of right here. Or if I just would have, if I just would have spent more time with God, I would be over here instead of right here. And you have to realize that that, those thoughts, they're not your own. Those thoughts aren't yours. When you became born again, you became a new creation and you have the mind of Christ. The thoughts that are discouraging like that are just like straight from the enemy. And so it's really easy for me to, uh, on a daily basis, I have to recognize stuff like that. Like, you know, I renounce the lie that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I renounce the lie that if I just would have worked harder, I would be further along than I am right now. And so I was talking to God, and I was like, God, but I, I do want to see progress in my life, and I have these dreams and desires that I want to see fulfilled, and I, I don't know how to go about pursuing them. And he said, Brian, every breakthrough you've had in your life has come through thanksgiving and praise. It hasn't come through you striving to get somewhere or believing that you have to fast and pray three times a week and, and say kumbaya a hundred times. It's never come through that. It's always come through praise and thanksgiving. And I'll share a few instances. Um, my first year at Bethel School of Ministry, you know, towards the end of the year, everyone goes on these mission trips. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Tijuana, Mexico, because that seems like fun. So I applied for the trip. I got accepted. And... A lot of you knew. I was super broken first. I had absolutely no money. So like five bucks was like amazing. Um, and, and the trip was getting closer and closer. And I, I had my, I had enough money to pay for my trip, but I didn't have a passport. And I found out I needed a passport two weeks before the trip. So, because I'm a responsible adult. Um, and so they were, you know, they were like, well, Brian, you need a passport. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't have a passport. And they're like, well, you're going to have to get it and then also have it expedited because it's going to take, it's got to get there fast because we're leaving in two weeks. And I was like, I can't get a passport in two weeks. I don't even have five bucks. I can't afford $250. And they were like, well, you can't go on the trip without a passport. Uh, so I, uh, I was up in my room and I was praying and I was like, you know, I'm going to fast tomorrow. I'm just going to not eat any food. 
And I'm going to pray a lot and do a bunch of spiritual stuff and then just ask God for $250 for that passport. <laughs> and I did. I, I still didn't get the passport. <laughs> and I was up in my room and I was like, God, I need to get this passport. I need to go on this trip to Mexico so I can impact the world. And, and then he was like, Brad, I want you to go downstairs to your garage and I just want you to worship and praise. He said, I want you to thank me for every, every time that I've come through and blessed you financially. Every time that there was a wall in front of you and I helped you just like knock it down. I want you just to worship me. He was like, okay. So I go in my garage. I turn on Jesus culture music because that's what Christians listen to. And, um, and I just started just dancing in my garage and just started like worshiping and praising God. And I was like, God, thank you for, for doing this in my life. And thank you that when I needed this, you brought me here. Thank you for bringing me to California when I had no money. And I just started worshiping him for all these times that he had just come in and just rocked my world. And, and then he was like, all right, now go upstairs and check your Dave Ramsey envelope wallet. Um, which was like buried in my closet for like a year. And so I go upstairs and I was like, okay, I'm going to go check this wallet. And I go upstairs and I'm digging through my, my closet and I needed $250 for the passport, by the way. Um, digging through my closet, I find my little Dave Ramsey wallet and I open it up and there's $250 in it. Just sitting in the wallet. Crisp $200 bills and a 50. Okay, now... For the, like, rich people in here, 250 may be pocket change you find sometimes, but for a broke college kid, that's like the world, okay? That's like two skydiving trips, right? So, that's a big deal. I didn't just misplace 250 bucks. So, I, I just flip out and I go to my roommates and I'm like, yo, did anybody put this money in my wallet? They didn't, I mean, it was buried in junk. They didn't even know I used that thing. And so I called my mom and dad and I was like, did you guys happen to put money in my wallet? And they were like, no, I don't think so, and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, so to this day, I don't know how it got there. But it was just like, it literally just, it was there. And so I run down to the, UP, uh, the UPS or the post office or whatever store. And I was just like, you know, I got to get a passport. And they were like, when do you need it? And I was like, well, I leave in a week. And they were like, a week? Why are you getting your passport right now? And I'm like, it's just how it happened. And they were like, they were like, okay, well, you need to get it expedited, and that's going to be an extra hundred and twenty dollars. And I'm like, I only have two hundred and fifty. And they're like, well, we're not going to get it expedited. And I'm like, dang it! I was like, I'm going to buy it anyway. So I buy it. I go home, go to school the next day. I get back home, and there's a package, and it's my passport. Now, for those of you who have gotten your passport, knowing that getting your passport the next—it's just crazy. That's. But that came, that, that breakthrough happened when I started to praise, when I started to align my focus with heaven and what the truth said, and that provision came. Most recently, a time happened, uh, um, this happened in San Francisco, I was, I was working at this, uh, this restaurant, and I, I was waiting tables, and it was a terrible day, absolutely awful. And um, I made like 20 bucks in tips, and for people who are, you know, you waiters, you know, that's just garbage, you don't make 20 bucks, and... And uh, so I walked out of the restaurant, and right when I walked out, I just came under this awareness. I was just like, God, you've been so good to me my whole life. Like, you've always taken me where I've needed to go. You've always provided for me financially. You've always, you've always blessed me. You've blessed me with an amazing family. And I just started just like thanking God for all this stuff. And I, I didn't even really think I needed anything. It was just, this is just like sincerity and I and I like go to the restaurant and I was like thank you for my job God and I was like thanking him for my job and I go to my car and I was like thank you for my car God and it was just like this moment between me and God and I was thanking him for everything 
And um, I get in my car and I was like, man, that was weird. And then I heard God and he said, no, ask me for what you need. And I said, well, I have a bill that went into collections. It's like $200 and I need that to get paid for. Um, and he was like, it's already done. I was like, cool. So I'm driving home that same day. I get home. Our roommate walks up to me and just hands me a wad of cash. He's like, here you go. I was like, what's this? He's like, I don't know. The pastor had a word of knowledge about somebody needing uh, money for a, a bill that was in collections. And I knew that you had a bill, so I raised my hand for you. <laughs> 15 minutes ago. Literally 15 minutes ago, I just told God, God, I need to fill out of collections. And he's like, it's already done. It's been in collections for like five months, okay? Because like I said, I'm a responsible adult. So it, literally for five months. And I was so shocked when that happened. I didn't even know how to respond. I just took the money and went to my room. I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. <laughs> like, like, you ever had that happen where God just surprised you? And you're just like, I don't even know how to respond to that right now. And So, in a lot of seasons, so like when I was talking to God about what I wanted to share, and I was like, God was like, every breakthrough in your life, Brian, has come through praise and thanksgiving. If you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5.16, oh, I'm sure they'll put it on the big screen. Maybe. Anyways, I'll read it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. A lot of us have read this verse before, but there's a few things that actually stand out in this verse to me. And the first thing is God is not merely focused on what you're doing in your life as much as where you're positioning your heart in relationship to him in every circumstance and every season of your life. I'm going to repeat that. God is not as focused on what you're doing in your life as much as he's focused on how you position your heart in relationship to him in every circumstance. God is more focused on the positioning of our heart in every season than he is what we're doing necessarily in that season. I don't care if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's or an environmental lawyer at some big company or something like that. Like God's focus is on your heart in relationship to his and thanksgiving and praising in every season. And we get so caught up in what we need to be doing in our lives. Like, God, I just want to see this happen. Or what am I supposed to be doing? Should I go to college? Should I be joining this company? Should I quit this job? Should we move here? And we get so caught up in, 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 in life and what we're supposed to be doing. And like, I don't know what God's will for my life is right now. Well, it's, it's to bring heaven to earth. That's the will of God. And, and to rejoice in every season. Pray without ceasing and all things give thanksgiving. When that becomes our, our primary focus, then the fruit of our lives is God's will for us. We start to see our dreams and God's dreams for us like take flight. <laughs> but it's so hard not to focus on. It's so hard not to focus on on your dreams or your goals or your vision. It's so it's because it's I mean this is it's what society, you know teaches us it's you know work hard and i'm not saying don't work hard what i'm saying is the biggest thing is focusing on on positioning your heart to god and that he is responsible for making your dreams come true because once you commit your life to him you he's you're his responsibility he's going to take care of you but it's so hard to get get our minds wrapped around that that it's like it's literally not by us striving to get to a certain place or a certain status 
or to see, oh God, we want to see revival hit. Well, what's the revival look like in your own life? Like, oh, I want to see, I want to see cities change and I want to see uh, these people come to Christ and I want to see the dead raised and I want to see people healed, set free, delivered and and God's like, well, what does that look like in your own life? Because you can only lead somebody as far as you actually have gone. You can't lead somewhere, somebody somewhere if you're still way back here. My favorite story with this is, is David. And I feel like it's a cliche story, but, you know, for preachers to talk about, but... David is one of my favorite Bible verses to preach from because he's just such a baller. Like, like I don't know. I'm no theologist, but I'm guessing shepherding wasn't like the most glorious job back in the day. I mean, nowadays it'd be kind of cool because no one's even seen a sheep before. So it's like, you're a shepherd? Cool. But like back then it would be like, like house-sitting your cats. I'm just, no. I'm just kidding. God doesn't like cats. But <laughs> I woke up this morning and there was cat hair all over this. So I'm really mad at my cat. It's not even mine. It's a cat. I don't have a cat. But I mean, I can imagine it wasn't like this glorious job. It wasn't like this, you know, this like, well, this is really cool. You're a shepherd. High five. You know, but the, the job that was to be admired and I'm sure they got all the ladies and all the money. It was the warriors, you know, the people who went out to battle and were chopping heads off and stabbing faces and all that. Like that was like the job to have if you were a man, you know, that was, that's what you wanted. And, uh, no, but David was just watching the sheep and, and, but the thing is, is, the way he positioned his heart in relationship to God in all times exceeded anybody else. It was like he was the one that God said is after his own heart, is a man after his own heart. He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He wasn't, wasn't this big status quo hero warrior yet. He was just, you know, and I mean a nobody. But his focus was on praise, thanksgiving, rejoicing in the Lord. Like, that was his lifestyle. I mean, he played that guitar thing and was like, that was like his life. The second thing, rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving are all acts of our will that require faith, especially in hard times. Thanksgiving draws our focus to heaven so we can agree with what's true, no matter what we're feeling with our physical senses. Thanksgiving attracts faith, which causes us to focus on heaven so we can focus on what's really true, no matter the circumstances or how we are feeling with our physical senses, how we're feeling. Keeping our focus to heaven in every season and not living by our emotions will keep you out of a lot of trouble. That's the bit, one of the biggest areas of warfare for the Christian is in the mind. And just like over the years, I've learned that is just one of the biggest ways that people just fall. Like, just so many of my friends that, you know, 
people that you grew up around or, or people that you see in your life right now, it's just like you, they were they were passionate about God, they were pursuing Him, and then it's just gone. And it's like they started to live by their emotions. They started to believe these lies that were coming at them. You're not doing well enough. You should be doing better. One of the enemy's biggest plans is to convince you you're living in darkness because God's called you to be a light. So if he can convince you you're living in darkness, you're going to start to believe that truth. It's not true, but you're going to start to believe it. And you're not going to be able to go out and be that light that God's called you to be. That's why it's, not, it's important not to live by our emotions. It, we are not what we feel. We live by the truth. Thanksgiving, praise, prayer, that attracts our attention to heaven so we can see what's true. And circumstances in our life. Thanksgiving and praise builds faith. It's faith that attracts heaven to earth. If we want to see change, if we want to see breakthrough... It's time to start fighting this war with thanksgiving and praise. I believe that that is one of the most important weapons in spiritual warfare. Yet it's one that it's we a lot of times we forget to do, especially in hard seasons. Like, it's, especially in hard seasons, it's, it's so hard to just sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to choose thanksgiving and I'm going to choose praise no matter what. Like, I'm going to, I choose this. You don't necessarily have to feel it, but it's a choice. One thing I want to talk about real quick is, is I want to talk about sanctification through Thanksgiving. And I want to take you back into the Bible a little bit. Um, if you can turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy 4. Alright, it says, the spirit clearly says in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if, if it is received with thanksgiving because it is concentrated by the word of God in prayer. Back in the early church, food was one of the biggest, like, disputable matters. Especially food that was, like, sacrificed to idols. It was just like a big no-no. The Jewish and Gentile believers alike believed it was defiled since it was offered up to idols. And in this passage... Paul doesn't say, no, it's not powerless. He's saying that combining thanksgiving with prayer actually deauthorizes the dedication of that food and rededicates it to God, a stronger one. Did that make sense? Did I say that in such a way that was good? Okay. Combining thanksgiving with praise deauthorizes the dedication 
and rededicates it to God. That thanksgiving sanctifies what it touches. Thanksgiving. All throughout scripture, sanctification is a significant subject. In the Old Testament, excuse me if I butcher this, but in the Old Testament, whenever they had, they created a new vessel, like an instrument or a piece of furniture for the tabernacle, they would sanctify it by taking blood from the altar and sprinkling it on. And it was sanctified. It was set apart never to be used for anything else besides for the tabernacle, for the priest to use. So once they sprinkled the blood on it, put it in, boom, it was sanctified. It was set apart. You don't touch it. You don't take it out. It's there. <laughs> in the New Testament... Uh-oh. Oh, okay. thought I stapled my pages together. <laughs> I was like, oh. In the New Testament, we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are set apart. They can't touch us. <laughs> We're God's. And not only are we vessels that he can use to fulfill his will, but we have the opportunity to become like the one who sanctified us. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I don't care if you're a Christian or not. That's cool. You know, you, we get to be like the one who sanctified us. When Paul says that Thanksgiving sanctifies unclean food, he's saying that that food is set apart for God and his purposes. He's saying it's sanctified. It's now been set apart for God and his purposes. I believe Thanksgiving can change the very nature of something into something holy. I'm not talking about crazy things. I'm not talking about crystal meth or anything like that. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we don't have to go crazy here. But I believe Thanksgiving can take the very nature of something and turn it into something holy. I believe this principle extends to many situations in our lives. I believe this principle extends to every situation in your life when the enemy tries to attack you with something. Sickness. Death. Finances. This principle of sanctification through thanksgiving. I'll go into a little bit more detail. Not everything that happens in your life is the will of God. And I truly believe that. And I know there are a lot of people in different denominations or whatever. You know, they believe that every single thing is from God and it happens for a reason. But first of all, God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for sickness, death, poverty, and disease. So that's not a tool he's going to use to get his kids' attention. That's a terrible father, if you ask me. Well, Johnny's being bad. I'm going to give him cancer. That's not what he does. That I mean, I... It's funny, but it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, that we can sometimes think that, that, that God's gonna use what He sent His only Son to destroy, that He's gonna use those tools to get our attention. That's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Not everything that happens to you in your life is the will of God. God is a good God who can only give good gifts. Uh oh. Who can only give good gifts, because He's a good God. You can't give something you're not. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. This is a very familiar verse. We've, we, I'm sure we've all heard it. But I believe we don't give this truth power in our lives when we don't give thanksgiving and praise in every season in our lives. I believe that we don't give that truth power 
at Truth Power when we refuse to give thanksgiving and praise in every, in every season. I believe when we don't choose thanksgiving and praise, especially in hard seasons, you're allowing hopelessness, bitterness, destruction to enter in and control you. Because you're no longer thinking from a from a heaven point uh, from a heaven per, heavenly perspective. You're thinking with your emotions. You're thinking with, oh, I'm so consumed with myself that I'm going to let this rule me right now. But when we decide to take something, when we decide to take a circumstance, a season, or something that the enemy throws at you to intentionally undermine your faith. Or wipe you out when you take that very thing and you sanctify it with praise and thanksgiving. Sanctification. You set that, you set that season apart for God with thanksgiving. I believe He can take that very thing, like we talked about before, change the very nature of something into something holy. He can take that very thing and use it for your benefit, like this talks about. He can use all things for the good of those who love Him. He can take that very thing that the enemy used to throw you off your destiny and actually use it to launch you forward into your destiny. He can use the very thing the enemy tried to use to wipe us out and God can use it to lift us up. That's awesome. It sucks to be the devil, man. Like, (laughs) his biggest tool is garbage. Like, it's... But when we don't show, when we don't, when we don't show Thanksgiving, when we don't praise in these seasons, we're just giving the enemy the opportunity to, to just let it add up and control us. And it's just like one of my, uh, one of my favorite teachers, Bill Johnson. He always says, "Thanksgiving keeps us sane," and I believe that because I, I totally believe that Thanksgiving just keeps your perspective to heaven. That if we can keep our focus and our attention on God in all circumstances, that this thing called life isn't going to wear and tear and drag us down to the point where we're these bitter people who get mad at everything. And it's just this big drama-filled life. It's like we've been called to live a life of abundance. And and I believe that starts with, with Thanksgiving. One more thing I want to touch on is Keeping our focus on God and not the problem is the biggest way to see that problem disappear. Keeping your focus on the solution and not the problem, I believe, is one of the most effective ways to see that problem be taken care of. But I tell you, with media these days, it's super hard to do that because everything on the news is bad. It's negative. Everything's bad. The nation's going down the toilet and Obama's the Antichrist and all these, it's, everything is so negative. And it's like we, 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 we feed off that because it's addictive. You know, you're watching, it's just addictive. And you now Ebola's taking out half of Colorado and, and then we're like, God, we need revival. We need to see this happen because Ebola's killing our kids. And it's, and it's, you know, we get so worked up and anxious and it's like, it's, we got to focus on God because he's got the solution to all this, all these problems that we have. I'm not saying intercession for our country and our problems is bad. I'm just saying that 
the more we focus on the problem, the bigger it gets. Whatever you focus your attention on will grow. So if you're focusing on that, it's gonna, it's gonna be this big and it's gonna get huge. But when you focus on God, God's just gonna... I mean, this is just, I'm sorry if this is just, a, if it's really, well, duh, Brian, but I'm just, this excites me because it's like, this is truth and revelation in my life that I'm seeing just impact me and people around me. It's like, you don't have to be affected by what hits you in life. You can actually let that build you up. We should be the most hopeful people on the planet. Christians should be the most hopeful people on the planet. When there is any level of hopelessness in your life or discouragement, it is because you're believing a lie that your problem is bigger than God. (laughs) That's the best way to measure, to see where your heart is in alliance with his. It's like, okay, where's the hopelessness? Where's the discouragement? Where am I I feeling like is is just, you find that and then you break the lie. I renounce the lie that you're bigger than God because you're not. I actually point at it and pretend it's a little thing like you're not bigger than God. When we focus on the solution, he takes care of the problem. Uh, what story was I going to share? What? Esther. Um, <laughs> Esther. Uh, her, uh, I, I'm sorry if I butchered this story too, but it's the principle. It's the, uh, that I'm trying to go for. Um, Esther's cousin, um, Mordecai. Haman. Mordecai. That's it. Mordecai. Esther's cousin, Mordecai. <laughs> Uh, when Haman was attacking Esther, her people, and Mordecai, and if you read the scripture, Mordecai's focus wasn't on attacking Haman because of what he was doing. His focus was on his king and his people. And justice was served. I'm pretty sure everybody here knows the story of Esther. Right. Uh, there's anybody here who hasn't heard the story of Esther? Okay. Mike, whatever. <laughs> He's been trolling me since I was a kid. I went to Africa with him and he was a jerk. <laughs> Bigger awareness of God than life problems. My New Year's resolution. What I choose to focus on this year is I... First of all, my priority is going to be on what God has done in 2014. Like, I've started going back into the year, God, when this trial came, you provided for me. When this happened, you took care of me. When I felt like my heart was broken, you held me. I, God, thank you so much that I, I'm sitting with you, God, and that, that you've called me to live a life of abundance and not just survival and that's what I'm doing. I'm going back into my year and I'm thanking God for everything he's done for me in my life for 2014. And that's how I want to be launched into this next year is with thankfulness. And I can promise you, I can bet all of you guys that because of that, we're going to see fruit in 2015 because we're aligning our perspective with heaven. I would encourage you guys for this new year, making your resolutions, want to lose weight, go to the gym, you know, Get on a diet. I don't know what your resolution is, but whatever it is, spend time and go, God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you did this year. Just start worshiping and praising him. You can have a list of things you want to see, but it's like 
Those are going to come to pass through thankfulness, through praise, through prayer. Let him feel responsible for launching you forward. You just go after what God's already done. Stir up your spirit that way. That's one of the best ways when you're feeling discouraged is to go after that. It's so, it's so opposite the way the world teaches. It's, it's so, when you're feeling ungrateful, be thankful. It's, it's like, <laughs> but it's, it's such a, uh, it's just a truth that I've just seen in my life and it's, it's just been life changing. So I don't want to be redundant and go over myself and just keep trying to talk with the microphone. But I only have four minutes. Um, I really want to do something. Uh, I feel like there's even breakthrough today that God's wanting to do with people in relationships, in your personal relationship with God, relationship with family members, with finances, with healing. I believe today God's wanting to do some stuff. And I, I just... I came today with an expectancy to see God move. I spent time just thanking God. Thank you, Jesus, for this expectancy. Thank you for what you're going to do today. All right, now, if we could get everybody to just stand up. And what I want us to do is I want us to, like my dad did this before I came up, I want us to start thanking God. I want us to intentionally start pinpointing times and things in your life where God has come through whether it was small or whether it was big, whether you found a nickel on the road, I don't care. Just start thanking God. Just start lifting your voice to heaven and start thanking Him for what He's done in your life. And do it out loud, too. Don't, don't do it quietly. Just start thanking Him right now. Start thanking God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So if it's, I mean, I don't care what it is. If somebody gave you a puppy, thank God for it. <laughs> Just keep thanking Him. As our attention gets drawn and focusing on heaven, you can just feel the atmosphere in the room changing. This is an atmosphere of worship. Okay, now, if you have a specific need in your life, whether it's restoration with the family mother, whether it's healing, whether it's financial breakthrough, if you have a specific need that you can pinpoint, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, if you're around, oh, that's most of everybody. Dang. Okay. All right. Let's go, let's, let's go after a few things first. If you, have a, if you have a need in finances, raise your hand. Okay, if you're around these people... And you're not raising your hand, which is like four. I want you to go and lay, I want you to go lay hands on, on these people. If you're not raising your hand, go find somebody who is raising their hand. I want you to lay hands on them. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to start speaking financial breakthrough into their life. I want you to start praying over that. And those of you who are raising your hand, I want you to continue to stay in that place of thankfulness. I want you to continue just to thank God for what He's already done in your life. Continue to thank God for what He is doing. I don't want you to focus on the finances right now. Everybody surrounding you is going to pray for the finances. 
Thank you, Jesus. We just cover it with your blood, God. Thank you, Papa. Let's do another one. If you have a need in your body that relates to healing, I want you to raise your hand. If you need healing in your body, small or big, all right. If you're around these people, do the same thing. If you're raising your hand, I want you to stay in that place of thankfulness. Just to thank God for times in your life where he's come in and he's, he, you've seen him heal you. Or you've, you, a family member. And those of you that are around them, I want you to speak healing into their life. I want you to call it out. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you by your stripes. We are healed. We thank you, God, for what you did on the cross for us. Real quick, if you can feel, um, if you feel something different in your body, if you feel any amount of healing, just wave your hand. If you feel any difference in any pain level, wave your hand. Awesome. God, we thank you so much for this last year, Papa. God, we thank you so much for what you're going to be doing in this next year. I thank you, God, that as we continue to turn our attention and our focus to you, God, the plans you have for our lives are going to be the fruit of our lives, God. God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I thank you for New Covenant Fellowship for my home church, God, and I ask that you just bless everybody here. God, I ask that you just bless bless the hearts that are hurting right now, God. People who are in pain, whether it's due to loss or sickness, God, we just ask that you just you just you just touch their hearts, God. We just speak hope and life into everyone's hearts right now. Hope and life. Hope. As we close in prayer, I just want to just invite you to close your eyes right now. And I firmly believe the Lord has spoken to all of our hearts. And I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit right now to specifically point out one thing that you can take into this week and begin to put into practice. Because we want to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Because we would all say, that was a good word, that was good. But then 10 minutes from now, we can forget about it and it has no impact in our lives. Let's not let that happen. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to show us where your grace is. What is that one thing that you want us to begin to start to move in this direction? What's that one thing we can do? Let's just listen to him right now.
We thank you, Father, for speaking to us. And by your grace, we choose to not only align with the truth, but to practice the truth. And Father, I just ask and speak your blessing on everyone here this week as we move forward with you. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in this church family. We give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week, and I encourage you to come out Wednesday night right here at 7 p.m. God bless you. See you Wednesday.